Hi, I'm James Kotecki. You're listening to the C-Space Studio Podcast. Interviews with technology, media, and marketing leaders from CES 2020. Hi, I'm James Kotecki. You're here with me in the C-Space studio here at CES 2020. And joining us is Jason Robbins, the CEO and co-founder of DraftKings. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So I think a lot of people may be familiar with DraftKings, but just in case they're not, and I'm always curious anyway, how people define their own brands. So how do you define what DraftKings is? DraftKings is a sports entertainment company. We have fantasy sports games that customers can play that last only a day or a weekend. And we have sports betting that we recently began rolling out about a year and a half ago. Uh, We have online sports betting now in several states and retail sports betting as well. And we also have iGaming games. We have online blackjack and games like that too. So the big news from the last couple of weeks, I believe this is still relatively recent, is that you're going public. Is there anything else, is there anything you can tell us about that? Well, about two weeks ago, a little little over two weeks ago, we announced that uh, we reached an agreement to go public through a SPAC. Uh, the SPAC is called Diamond Eagle, um, and you know it's trading now. It's a publicly traded mm-hmm. stock, just like SPACs are. And, uh, as part what of is that, this, we what also, is a SPAC for those who don't know? So a SPAC is a special purpose acquisition company. Basically, it's a shell company with money in it mm-hmm. that has been put there by investors. Uh, and then there's a sponsor, in this case, a guy named Harry Sloan, uh, who's tasked with going out and finding a deal to use that money for. So uh, he came to us, and also as part of this, we are merging uh, as well. It's a three-way merger, a company called SB Tech, which is a, a global leading provider of sports betting technology and online uh, you know, risk management and trading services. So uh, all of that is going to close, hopefully, in the second quarter. And you know, right now um, the the stock's trading, but it will actually be retitled into uh, a new ticker symbol, and the company will be renamed DraftKings from uh, Diamond Eagle and DEAC, which is the current setup. Once it closes, so very exciting! Congratulations Thank on that. Thank you. And this is an alternative to something like an IPO, I imagine, right? It's meant to mimic the same thing, but what this structure did for us is it allowed us to do two things or three things, excuse me, that we we're trying to accomplish. One is we needed to uh, raise some money to acquire this company. There was a cash component of the deal, and um, you know the the founder uh, and owner of that company was light. Uh, you know he, he's a believer. He's rolling a lot of his stock, um, but you know he didn't want to wait till the end of an IPO process to find out if his cash was there. So what this allowed us to do is raise a pipe, uh, private investment, public entity, uh, ahead of the stock actually going public, and and that way we both knew that. Um, you know, we had the money lined up for him, but also we got confirmation from investors around pricing. Second thing this allowed us to do is raise additional capital. We knew there's 400 million sitting in this shell that we could use for expansion new states. And the third thing was to go public. And we could have broken those into, you know, probably two or maybe three separate transactions, but this way we were able to do it all at once. So let's talk about the business that you're in. And can you give me some data to kind of contextualize who's on your site and how they're actually interacting with it? You mentioned people can do a bunch of different things, but like who's betting on sports, who's doing fantasy, what's the scope of all this? So we have just under 12 million registered users. Most of them are in the U.S., some in Canada, and a handful are overseas. Uh, the you know customers that we have are mostly playing daily fantasy sports because that's mostly what people around the country can play. However, in the states that have online or retail sports betting, we also have customers using those products. And then in a couple of states, um, one really that we're live in so far, New Jersey, where there's iGaming, uh, they can play those products as well. It's all the same account, same wallet. So if you're in a state, even if you don't live there, that has those products, you can actually mm-hmm. go ahead and play. Um, so if you happen to be passing through the Newark airport and you want okay. to make a bet on sports, you can do that. 
And is that technologically complicated to make sure that you're actually getting people in the physical space that they say that they're in? You know, there's a lot of work that's been done uh, to make sure that we can properly locate people. It's a little easier on the mobile phone because of GPS, sure. but, uh, you know, there's ways always. And, um, you know, the key thing is not just to make sure they're in a legal state, but also as different states do this, they all want to make sure they're collecting their tax revenue. So you have mm-hmm. to know, uh, even if it were nationwide legal, you have to know where it was coming from anyway to make sure you're paying the taxes in the appropriate place. So as your business expands, how do you think about marketing it and who are you going out to? Are you trying to go deeper on the super fans, the people who are really into it? Are you trying to get new people into the mix that maybe wouldn't consider playing something like this before and now you can bring them in? How do you think about that? Well, I think it's both, but um, you know, I think that it's more on the latter side, but there's actually kind of an in-between category of people who I would call casual fans who maybe here and there placed a bet or played fantasy and Maybe they're people who haven't even played fantasy or pace to bet but are into their favorite team and watch that. And what this allows them to do is to expand the number of games, the plays, all the different players, make every single aspect of each sporting event they watch exciting. Uh, I didn't used to watch as many games as I did before I started playing fantasy, and it makes a big difference. It you know, makes every single thing exciting, even in a game where the outcome has long been decided. If you still have fantasy players going or if you have a bet and the spread or the over-under is still live, you're still watching that game. And what's the social component to this? Because I know that when I engage in games of chance, it's fun to kind of bet with other people or maybe make a bet against someone else who went to a rival school. Uh, does, your, does your platform allow for that kind of social interaction to happen? We have on the fantasy side private fantasy contests that people mm-hmm. can set up. That's grown tremendously over the last couple of years. And a lot of people are exclusively playing those now because some people just want to know that they're playing against their friends. On the betting side, we have a product called Pools where basically there's these competitions where you can pick from a number of different spreads or game winners and everybody gets entered into a big pool. And like the fantasy games we have that are public, they have big top prizes, but also you can set up private pools as well. Uh, and then I'm sure that a lot of people just, you know, I hear this anecdotally, discuss their picks, discuss, you know, who they like in terms of the over-unders, the spreads. And it's always fun to go back to your friend and say, say, I told you so, you're right. Even if you didn't make yeah. a bet on it, if, you know, or if, they, if both people didn't make a bet on it, if you just told them to and they declined and you went ahead and won some money, it's still the same uh, gloating you get if you had made the bet with the person in the first place. So we're talking about all this happening online, obviously, but we're here in Las Vegas, which is uh, home to many physical casinos. We're here in the Aria right now, which is a casino. Are you, uh, how do you interact with casinos? Are you mortal enemies with them? Are you persona non grata? Do you actually work together? How, what does that look like? Oh, very much work together. Mm-hmm. We have a number of casino partners. Uh, Aria, of course, you know, 50% owned by MGM, who's <laughs> a great uh, company and one that we, uh, you know, have over the years done many different things with. Uh, we've done things with Caesars in the past. We have a big partnership with Penn for sports betting licenses in different states. We have a number of other casinos around the country that we partner with. So, um, you know, our goal is to try to be friends with everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think what's exciting about this point in time in the industry is everything's growing, lots of new revenue opportunities being created. So there should be ways that through partnerships everyone can share in that. And do those casual fans maybe place a few bets on their phone then is there evidence that they would then become somebody who actually goes into a physical casino and spends money there? Well, we've seen both with fantasy players and sports betting players that we've marketed to, uh, you know, go to events at various places, some of which are hosted at casinos. We've seen them go and then play the games while they're there. And 
uh, gotten a lot of really positive feedback. People actually want us to host our events at casinos because they like that environment. So there's mm-hmm. definitely a lot of overlap. The vast majority of our customers uh, either have been or uh, you know uh, are open to going to casinos. Um, so definitely a lot of synergy there. At this point, are you in every sport that you could possibly be in? Are there some sports that you're trying to still kind of be a part of? Uh, you know, I think probably not everyone that we could possibly be in, but we, we've launched a lot of sports. And um, probably the biggest category that I'd like to see us get even deeper into is esports. Esports is going to be huge in the coming years, and it's still at the infancy stages when it comes to fantasy and betting. But it's such a massive audience that follows esports, you have to think that that's going to be a big growth vector for many years. So yeah. that's a place we don't have a very broad offering yet, but I hope that we build it out. As far as the traditional sports, I, you know, there's probably some we don't offer, but there's not many. We have most of them. Speaking of esports, are there, are there elements there that are a little bit different than traditional sports as far as fairness, um, making sure that there's no funny business going on, right? Because there's obviously one thing to have that happening in a physical environment, on a field where things can be monitored in certain ways, and there's obviously decades of tradition about how that works, versus esports, it's all taking place on computers, you know, is there potential for some kind of interference there? Do you have to think about that in a different way? You know, I think it's newer, and so uh, a lot of the elements of how things could be manipulated still probably aren't uh, totally known yet, but I don't think at its core it's all that different. It still involves human beings that, you know, hopefully are doing things the right way, and when they're not, we need to figure out how we find that out. And I know that sounds like an oversimplification of the problem, but there are commonalities, like, for example... If you see big bets coming in in unusual areas or on unusual things, it doesn't really matter how the game ultimately got fixed. That's your signal there that there's something amiss. And the nice thing about betting now being regulated in a number of states is that before, when it was in the illegal market, that would just happen. They'd shut off the account, and that would be that. Now there's actually you know requirements to report suspicious activity to law enforcement to other proper authorities, and I think you're going to see more of these things get caught in the future. And hopefully people won't take it as it's happening more. I don't think it is. I think it's just going to be a better environment for catching any issues uh, that might be occurring. Since the Supreme Court allowed it a few years ago, we've now had I think 20 some states that allow. Not, the- I think it's close. Maybe it's yeah. is it a 20 yet? It's close. Yeah, it's not 20. Um, so the trend is going in a good direction for your business. Do you see any storm clouds on the horizon? that things could shift back in the other direction? Because obviously politics are a matter of uh, culture and elections and who's in power and what they think about things, and things can always shift. Well, that is true. I don't see any storm clouds now, but what you just said is true. Everything shifts, and sometimes very quickly when it comes to things that are politically uh, or regulatory uh, in nature. And so, um, you know, I think that that's something we always are aware can happen. Uh, It's a very exciting time now, and I think there's a lot of positive momentum, but you know, it's not to say at some point something negative couldn't happen with the industry and that couldn't change. And I think that that's uh, something that we have to always be mindful of. And we have to always, you know, for that reason, uh, be extremely responsible in how we approach things because, you know, those things to some degree are within our control. We can, uh, and I say we, meaning the collective industry, we uh, we can do things the right way and I think really minimize the, the both you know, likelihood and impact of any sort of negative uh, events in terms of creating bad will or, or, or negative momentum for the industry. Um, but it can also go the other way if people behave irresponsibly. And part of that will be solved through regulation, but part of that is also on the operators. And you have a pretty good argument as far as tax revenue, too, right? You mentioned that earlier, that states are collecting revenue off of this. Exactly. So this is a, a really great source of tax revenue for states. And 
um, you know, it's also doing something that so many of their citizens want. So, uh, you know, it's always nice when you can both make money for the state and bring a product to people who want it at the same time. So your industry, like every industry here, but especially your industry, is totally fueled by data. Are there certain kinds of data that you or, or, or betters don't yet have that you anticipate they will be able to have access to in the future as they place their bets and play these games? You know, uh, I think right now, a lot of things that I've seen are around speed and uh, you know delivery of data, just eliminating the latency. The actual data itself is pretty robust. That doesn't mean that there won't be more in the future. NFL, for example, has this thing called next-gen stats that have things like how fast players run up and down the field. And you know, I think that type of data is already out there, but probably not commercialized in a mainstream way yet. And um, betters and fantasy players may find that valuable, and there may even be games and betting things that you can create from that. So um, down the road, I do think there will be new types of data, but the most immediate thing people are trying to do is get the quality and speed of that data to you know the absolute best level possible. My crazy idea for you is some kind of uh, state of mind data where you can put, I'm sure there's a cranial you know, hood <laughs> here at CES somewhere, and you could like monitor athletes' brainwaves and compare them to past games, and if they're not in a good state of mind before that game, maybe that could be some interesting data. I bet there's something here at yeah. CES. Someone's working on it. Someone out there is going to make it happen. That's right. Well, Jason Robbins of DraftKings, thank you so much. Thank you. This podcast is in partnership with the iHeart Podcast Network. 